Hello and welcome to Clamp, the weekly podcast where we discuss all things related to creating, living, and making projects. I'm your host, Grant Alexander, and joining me as always is Adam Mackey. And this week we thought we'd do something a little different. Instead of having our normal host, uh, Morley Kurt, on the podcast, instead we decided to have this up-and-coming maker uh, who's just currently blowing up on YouTube, Morley Kurt. Uh, so welcome to the podcast, Morley. Oh, thank you so much for being here. It's it's great to be on the Clamp Podcast. Yes, well, thank you. And uh, we wanted to talk to you a little bit about what it's like to go from a zero to a hero. Um, because I think that's what's happened here. No, I'm just joking. We wanted to talk to you about um, just how the experiences you've gone through since getting a, a big video. You've been contacted by sponsors. You've been inundated with comments there's a lot of things that have changed in your life but i'm sure there's a lot of things that have stayed the same so we wanted to talk to you a little bit about that yeah for, for sure those that don't know that have been living under a rock morley has successfully made it on youtube so yes i'm excited to see how his life has changed as well yeah i mean where should we, we start well why don't we start with how long have you been on YouTube? Let's start from way back in the beginning. So I started this channel as an afterthought uh, when I started a blog. I think it was my second summer of university, which must have been, let's see, that was 2017. So I guess that was five years ago now at this point. And, you know, I had started watching maker videos in university and I had started this blog and I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll start filming some of these projects. And yeah, that's when it started. And very gradually, I realized that like I was pretty good at it and I really liked doing it. And I feel like that was like the major storyline of the last five years is like, oh, I can actually do this well and really like it and gradually spending more and more time on it as learning and improving. So I, I look in your very first video was on this channel. Cause we all know you had parkour videos before this. Yeah. The very first video you currently have listed on this channel is making a knife from a saw blade with basic tools. And I think a theme that you've tried to keep throughout your light, your thing is, is being efficient with your space. For sure. Now that you're blowing up and moving to a whole new city, are you going to be blowing up your workspace? Is it going to be doubling and tripling in size? Well, I mean, not at first because, I mean, the new place is going to have a one-car garage, which is actually smaller than what I have now. Although, like I was talking about in the pre-show, I haven't actually been to this place yet, so I'm not sure like how big it actually is. Um, and I'll have that plus the, a studio space, which will be um, you know, a second bedroom. And, you know, it'll be, I think, a lot neater because the garage will be entirely mine. It won't be shared with my car plus a bunch of, uh, you know, like random stuff from past tenants. And it will be like a little more insulated and everything else. So, I mean, I think at least for the next year, which is how long we're planning to stay at this place, it will, it will probably look mostly the same. Because the fact of the matter is like, I won't really have room for like a big CNC or, you know, other things like that. But I have no qualms about adding tools to my tool set. 
Um, I have gotten like a fair amount of comments about people saying like they like that I use, you know, relative, like not a crazy advanced tool set, but I've gotten probably more comments of people saying, well, you know, I could do that if I had $10,000 worth of tool. They always throw out like really funnily high numbers, like $25,000 worth of tools. Like, do you know how much a DeWalt table saw costs? <laughs> They're not that expensive. Um, I've, I've gotten the same comments and I've gotten, I would, could do that with that. And then I've also, it's so nice to see someone who's using like garage based tools in a garage. Right. I was like, yeah. That's like, yeah, I'm using cheap tools in my garage. It's just so funny how some people have no value, no yeah. uh, understanding of the value of tools and whatnot. I mean, I, my dream is to have like a huge warehouse barn workshop and build a skate park inside and have this like Rob Deerdex fantasy factory set up. So like in the future, you know, like I, I would love to do that. Um, but, you know, in the near future, I feel like where that, investment is going to happen is more so on like the production side so like i really need to get a new computer so i'm gonna get like a nice editing computer soon i'll probably pick up some new lenses um lighting and things like that just things to like make my process easier and my production quality better because i feel like i kind of have pretty much everything that i need at the moment the things that i would want are like small tools to the tune of like one to two hundred dollars uh, but it's still all within the same realm like we're not talking $40,000 full-size CNC. So maybe a if truck. You hadn't I could see a truck happening yeah. in the next year. Fair. If you hadn't blown up, how many of these dreams would becoming a reality? It, that's a interesting question because when I decided to, to like taper off of my full-time job at the steam project, um, none of this had really started yet. And so my contingency plan was like, I can be a bartender if I need to make money. Um, but I didn't have to have that thought for very long because I started tapering down in January and then the punch clock video started blowing up in April. So pretty soon, like I was making a livable wage or a livable income from YouTube and like you in, you know, YouTube plus Patreon plus like selling things. It all kind of like came out to be like, Oh, like this is like money that I could actually live on. Um, so it's funny. I haven't really thought about that much in the past six months because it hasn't really, it hasn't really been a factor. Um, I think it's, it's now is like the finances of new tools and things is not the main constraint. It's more like, where do I want to spend my, my time and energy in, in storing things and, trying not to be wasteful. So I wonder when you first started your channel and everything, did you have goals to, like you said, you, you started it as like a, um, I forget the word you used. It was like an like, afterthought. You always, it wasn't, it, it wasn't the. We, so you never really had that thought of like, oh, I, uh, one day hopefully I'll get like a silver play button or anything like that, which you've now essentially got. Yeah, it's actually behind me. I haven't I haven't opened up the box yet, but it is on the floor what? behind me. <laughs> what? You, you've got it that fast? That's awesome. It's yeah, so it's funny. Cool. So qu- quick aside, like um, you, you get these spam or like I think they're spam or scam Instagram messages saying like, let me know, like I'll get you verified on YouTube, you know, all these things, like they'll get you these like check marks and whatever else. But when you actually get to yeah. the point where you're qualified to be verified on YouTube, which is a hundred thousand subscribers, it is literally a single button that you click. 
So like, I don't know what these people are telling people that they'll do for them, but I don't think there's any way of doing it other than just like hitting the milestone. <laughs> no, wow. it'd be the same as like getting monetized. Like imagine, imagine like getting a message with 10 subscribers saying, I'll get you monetized. Yeah. <laughs> don't you, fall you literally can't if I don't have the statistics. Yeah. But to get back to your question, um, I think like, you know, having grown up with YouTube and like seeing it as like this really cool career through my late childhood, um, I think it was maybe something that like I cautiously dreamed about, but never really like hoped or planned for until quite recently. Um, I didn't even like, you know, you can go on like social blade or like these other websites and like see approximately how much different creators are making from AdSense. I will say from my own experience that it is incredibly inaccurate. Um, I could imagine like it's, it's way off, but you know, you can like, there's websites and other things that like will estimate how much like different public figures and creators are making. And I never even really yeah, like, see- I never even really like looked at those things. Cause I was, I don't know, like, I don't think I wanted to, um, plan for this thing that was like incredibly unlikely. Okay. Yeah. You you talked about it being way off. It gives a range for you between nine point five thousand yearly to one hundred and fifty thousand yearly. Something tells me <laughs> you're probably in there. So it's not way off. It's just a stupid, stupid large. That is range. a huge range. <laughs> Well, he's like, yeah, oh, that's wireless. No, no, no. It's well, it's not just the like the total amount yearly. It's also like for a for a certain number of views or for like a certain video. It's just not accurate. All right. Don't trust those numbers. Yeah. You see, yeah, you see, these people that like do like a video on like Google themselves, and they always search that, and it's they always say it's wrong. Yeah. I never believe those fears. Well, and it's, I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into how much you make from AdSense. There's your, your CPM, the RPM, and there's like how many ads are on the video. Uh, I don't know. Maybe social blade has the backend knowledge or maybe it's, I don't know. Anyways, that's really neither here nor there. I'm sure it's just a guesstimation of like, they get this many views per video. This is roughly how much they would make. Hence why it's such a huge range. Yeah. Right. So, so on, on in, top of my question, where do you want to go from here? Like now, so you said, cause I feel the same way that you said you felt how the silver play button wasn't really like something that you were dreaming of, but then once it got closer, it sort of felt like more of somewhere to get to. Now that you've reached that goal, do you feel like you want to try and get to the next level of like the next play button or is it still, you feel the same way of if I ever get there, I'll get there. Oh, I, I think I'll get there. Um, I think it's a matter of when. And I'm more like, in terms of goals right now, I'm more trying to make everything feel a little more sustainable and a little more within my own control. Yeah. Because everything has like changed so quickly and we're moving. Um, and there's this huge you know, variation in the amount of views that my videos get. It just doesn't feel like there's like a, a baseline yet. Um, and... Yeah. You know, like you mentioned earlier, like I have been getting contacted by sponsors, which is really cool, but it's really easy to fill up a schedule super quick. And I'm quickly becoming conscious of that. Um, And if people are too slow, it's like, you know, I'll never get to work with them because like I'm filling things up, you know, like a month or so in advance. So 
I, I want, I'm trying to get to a point where like my videos are my own creative vision as much as possible. And I can integrate sponsors where I want and I can, yeah, just have like a bit more of a streamlined, calm setup. I think things feel like a little frantic right now and I'm excited for things to sort of feel slightly mm. calmer. Don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> Welcome to being your own boss. <laughs> yeah. If you'd like some tips on being your own boss, listen to the previous episode. But what I wanted to ask was if you could go back in time to Morley from January this year, the guy who just quit his job, whenever, whenever that was, just quit his job, is about to try and do this for reals full-time YouTubing. What advice are you giving January Morley? And then I got a follow-up question to that one. Um, I would give January Morley, Morley the advice of uh, start the Torah lectern sooner. <laughs> because I'm moving on Friday and I'm finishing it tomorrow. And in fact, I'm bringing some small parts to our new place to like put the finishing touches on. And, you know, I think it, I've been pretty constantly busy this whole year. So it's not like there was this big stretches of downtime when I could have been working on it. Like I was working on stuff the whole time, but I think I could have like chipped away a little bit, a little earlier, like maybe not have left it in a pile for so long. Um, But other than that, like, I'm really happy with all the choices that I made this year. I think, you know, like considering where I am now, like, of course I'm happy with those choices because these all led to this like current level of success. Um, There's definitely been some mistakes that I've made, but I think I learned from those mistakes. Um, Well, why don't you tell Morley earlier, Morley or our listeners, what those mistakes were and maybe what you learned from them? One thing I would say is just be cautious about free products Um, and don't underestimate the amount of work that it takes to make a video for someone else. So I have not yet stumbled across a product that will give me the spark to make a video better than a video that I can make on my own. And like, sure, like a free doodad is nice, but a fantastic video is like way, way, way better than that. So spending the energy to you know, make really great videos and focus on those big ideas, I think is, um, is kind of like the most important thing separate and apart from products, but like focusing on making great videos. And even bigger than that is just realizing that I am like a video creator first and a maker second. And I think as a maker YouTuber, it can be very easy to get super caught up in the physical thing that you're making. And Mm -hmm. And the video and not be thinking as much about the video, you know, like we, we talk about a time with like, you know, not maybe, maybe a beauty shot of the product isn't the best thumbnail, or maybe the title of the video isn't just the thing that you're making and having it be a little more story-based. And I, I feel like I'm, you know, like people always say, like the older you get, the more you realize that you don't know. And I feel like sort of each week I'm realizing that as I'm realizing like what my videos can be and right how the the making is just kind of like a vehicle for making good videos. I'm kind of speaking very abstractly right now, but I guess this will all co- become a little clearer in uh the I'm I'm guessing how my videos will evolve in the coming months. It, it, I definitely see when you want to try and tell a story, 
you have to be thinking about the video. If you want to make something, the video is secondary. This is where a lot of people I feel fail as YouTube makers is that they'll put one camera, one shot, time lapse in the, you know, security camera looking and just go, but I made something really cool. Why isn't anyone watching my video? Yeah. It's like, well, cause they saw the cool thing and that was the end of it. There was no story keeping them engaged. Um, so I think you're right. I think, I think you've, I, and I think as you watch your videos, if you go back in time, you're telling more stories today than you were five years ago or four years ago. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Um, and I, and I want to do it like way more so like I've started watching more Casey Neistat videos. And I think like if I could be Casey Neistat in five years or like the next Casey Neistat, I think that would be the dream. Like making videos about pretty much whatever I want and, and having that freedom and being a fantastic storyteller. Right. I think that that's seems pretty great. Okay. The follow-up question is now you go back in time five years ago. Morley is thinking about turning his blog into a YouTube channel. What are you, what advice are you giving that, that Morley? Because I think that Morley Mm. has so much more advice that can be given that we even just small advice would accelerate things so much more, I think. So one thing I would say is take advantage of being in Montreal like Montreal was not in any of my videos during the two years or three years that I was in university and making YouTube videos that could have, those could have made amazing videos. I think there was one where I like hiked Mont Royale and I like cut off a branch to make a spoon, but it was still like so, so slight. Um, so if I could have been doing that back then, I think I could have made much cooler videos then than I am now. Um, I mean, the hard thing is, is like, it's hard to tell someone something and have them do that thing. So like when I look at those videos from back in the day, I I seem so buttoned up and uncomfortable and sort of shy, but I kind of think it just took making more videos to get over that. I don't know if there's anything I really could have told myself back then to be better on camera. I mean, I I've maybe taken improv class, but you know, I was trying stand up comedy at the time and you know, that only did so much. Would you tell five years ago, Morley to do the five videos in five days or that kind of a challenge to try and amp up his, uh, video production. Because I know two years ago you trusted your gut and decided to quit jobs and, and go full time. And, and then yeah. obviously, Oh yeah. Like, like when I was, when I had all that time, yeah, that would have yeah. been great. I think that would have been a really cool use of time at that point. Um, but it's funny when I left that job, like I was so open-ended. I was like, I don't know what my career is going to be. Um, right. The thought wasn't like, I'm going to put it all into YouTube. The thought was like, I want to be doing something more creative. Maybe I want to work for a prop builder. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I, yeah. I mean, I guess the, I guess the overarching theme, if I'm telling myself something back in time is like, take making videos seriously. Like this is the thing. It took me until a year ago to really figure out that that was the thing for me. 
it's interesting. I'm I'm really starting to learn that personality has a lot to do with the YouTube videos and stuff. And like, you look at my older videos where I'm like, hi, welcome to Make a Mackie or whatever. And like, now I'm like, I need to amp that up and be like, hi, you know, like really get into it and get the person being like, oh, this person's happy and excited. Like, I want to watch this person. But to tack on to Grant's question, I, I wanted to ask, is there anything that you've learned in like say since January that you think you could have told yourself or any of our listeners that want to get into YouTube that could have helped speed up the process to get to where you are now? Like I just said about yeah. explaining your personality out. Um, I think not doing voiceover definitely speeds up the process because voiceover objectively takes a long time. And in my opinion, it makes for less engaging videos. So I think if I got into speaking on camera sooner, uh, or if anyone did, it just it gives a lot of opportunity to make really engaging videos. Um, yeah. And I think just try, what has stuck with me a lot is what Brian House was talking about, which is like document, not create. You know, try to figure out like the interesting parts of your life and how you can include those things in videos. So it's funny, you mentioned like trying to play up your your personality or your intro uh, in your videos going forward. I was actually thinking recently, how I kind of want to do less of that. I, I feel like going forward, I'm trying to be a little more like truthful and conversational on camera because I feel like a lot of times I'll go into a scene and like have everything I want to say sort of already decided. But I think it would make for a better video if I... Um, you know, sort of like talk about how I'm really feeling in the moment or if I'm unsure about a certain part of a project. I'm thinking about Ryan Trahan with his Penny series, right? Like when he was talking about like each part of the day, it was very in the moment and very what he was feeling right now. He didn't know how that day was yeah. going to end. Um, and, you know, a lot of my videos, I, I don't know how they're going to end, but I think when I film certain parts, I act like I do know how they're going to end. I guess, I guess I've, maybe playing up the personality was not the right way to say what I meant. But what I meant was like not feeling so awkward. I know it's hard when you, you know, you're new to it and talking to a camera is really weird, but more of like, yeah, like you said, like just acting normal. Like I wasn't really playing up my intro, but like I was a lot happier as opposed to, you know, like someone clicking on a video. I was like, hi, welcome to my video. Like no one wants to see that. Like that's not exciting and inviting. You know, you want to be yeah. inviting and the mo- the first 30 seconds of a video is the most important because if someone's not engaged with the first 30 seconds, they're gone. I agree a hundred percent, but also don't, unless you want to play a character for your channel. Yeah. I think what Morley's trying to say is he's trying to become more uh, himself and less mm-hmm. Morley Kurt, the YouTube maker. He wants to be Morley Kurt and I, videos are being filmed around me. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not dissatisfied. I'm not dissatisfied with like how I've been on camera in any of my last, you know, six videos. It's more like it would allow me to make different types of videos. It would allow me to make like more story-based stuff that's a little more indeterminate. Um, you know, let's say, okay, so for example, if I were to go on like I take the one wheel and max out its range. Like I go on a one wheel camping trip and I take the solar panel on my back and I'm charging it along the way. Like that is, I have no idea what's going to happen throughout that. And if I were to make that type of video, I would have to like 
really be truthful on camera and not be like trying to fake, you know, what we're going to do next or like, or, or plan it too much in advance. I would really just have to kind of be very open about what's going on right now. I know, um, see, this could be a controversial thing as well, but I wanted to say that for people that are trying to get into it, don't be afraid to record the same thing 10 times into the camera. Like when I record my intros, I, I do it. I do like five takes at least most of the time. Yeah. Especially with my, my outros too. My outros, I feel are my, my most awkward part because I really just don't know what to say because I know no one's going to be watching it. They're going to click off. I want to do the call to action, but you know, it's so like in my, in my video that I put out today or like four days ago for anyone listening, I wanted to try and change how I did my outro and I tried to do it while I was finishing my project. So while I was putting the hooks on the wall, I was doing my call to action and all that sort of stuff to try and keep the person engaged of like I was actually doing something as opposed to just standing in front of the camera. And I think that's something I want to try and do going forward. I think it's always, you always got to be thinking about like the problem is I, I like to make videos that I like to watch and I, I'm not the, I'm not the mass market. I don't enjoy these, yeah. the the mass market, like the ones that you guys are talking about. I'm like, I tried to watch these. I didn't get into them and it's fine. Like you don't have to, you don't have to make, uh, like you have to, but you have to decide, are you making videos for yourself or are you trying to reach everyone? And if you're trying to reach everyone, then you got to make a different video than if you're not. Like when David was talking, he doesn't want to do how-to videos anymore. Well, he doesn't want to do how-to videos because how-to videos only reach people makers. He wants to reach anyone, right? And it makes yeah. sense. That's what – like he's been talking about it for years, and I think he's just finally – it seems like he's finally come to the realization that's why it's not working is because I keep going back to my yeah. drunken woodworker how-to days. Yeah. And those sorts of revelations can take a really long time to come to if you don't have anyone to talk to them about. So another piece of advice I would say to myself earlier on or anyone who's getting started is develop a group of like trusted people that you can share. You can be comfortable sharing ideas and criticism with. Um, And that, that can be really hard and can take a while. Um, or, or just like individual people, it doesn't have to be a group who, you know, you trust that if they give you criticism, it will come from a good place. Um, because when you're working entirely by yourself, it can be like so easy to lose perspective. So yeah, talk to people. For sure. I mean, I was going to explain what Grant was saying and I feel like I make videos for myself. I... I'm happy with the videos that I've been making lately and it's a style that I know that a lot of people don't like, Um, especially I know that Grant doesn't like the style that I've been doing with the bike series, but it's videos that I'm happy with because we talked about this. You were saying, you know, like how I do like the whole long sort of talk of like what I'm going to do and then I do a B-roll of doing it and you said that like a lot of people will find that boring, like you should be talking over the B-roll, all that sort of stuff, but like- it's what I'm happy with. And I feel that I'm trying to do, if I'm not happy with the videos I'm putting out, or if I'm not happy with the style that I'm doing, I'm not going to do it. Whereas I feel excited for what I'm doing at the moment. And, you know, if, 
people didn't do that ever, we wouldn't have the range of videos that we do now. If everyone just went to one form, there would only be that one form of videos out there. People experimented and that's what got them out there. And it's, and I feel like the way that I'm putting out my videos is that people are going to expect that that's the style of video it is. If they're into it, they're into it. If they're not, they're not. So don't be afraid to experiment with that too. You don't have to follow the form of the successful people. I, I will say one thing. You have to understand the rules and why people are – the rules aren't the best way to say it, but you have to understand – what makes someone successful for you? Like if you want to, if you want to be successful and, but you want to do it your own way, you have to understand what rules are there and what yeah. can be broken and why. Right. Hmm. And this is where I think a lot of people, they, they don't want to even look at a successful people because they want to make it on their own. But if you go in and you can learn from other people and you can do your own thing and you can take from them what, what you feel works and what doesn't work. Cause even the most successful YouTuber out there is going to have things that aren't perfect. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can understand that, but, but I, I feel like I can, I can understand taking um, inspiration and all that sort of stuff from, from successful people and all that sort of stuff. But I feel like I don't care too much about like, this is my, personal i know people out there are trying to make it but i don't really care too much about making it i'm not trying to make this my full-time job what, this is whoa, just a whoa, hobby whoa. and i like what i'm doing you don't like that podcast that's so unfair <laughs> for we just had one of their <laughs> the co, like the co-host guest <sighs> on the guest last week you don't like making it that that actually reminds me of a story that i'm going to talk about in the after show anyway um I don't care too much about trying to make it. I'm not trying to make this my full-time job. If I ever get there, okay, cool, sweet. But it's not really my goal. And I just want to make the videos that I'm happy with, because as I said, if I'm not happy with what I'm making, I'm not going to want to make them. Cool. Let's get back to the topic at hand, which is Morley and why he's making videos (laughs) and not about us. Um, Morley, when you talk about your you had a group of trusted people, or I don't know if you have a group or if you have some friends, how did you find these people? Did you reach out to them because you watched their videos? Did they reach out to you? How did you find this group of people? Yeah, it was, um, it was people that I had, I mean, you know, it's, it's like any other social interaction, you know? So like there is one or two people who I had already sort of known or knew like very surface level, but I wanted specifically like people who are bigger than me that I can learn from. Like I wanted to be surrounded. I wanted a group of people who are at like a similar level of myself or bigger that I could like talk about like hardcore YouTube stuff with, you know, share ideas, um, talk about sponsorship things And so I just messaged these people saying exactly that. It's like, Hey, I feel like this is missing. I would like to be in this group with you. Would you like to do this? And yeah, the people were pretty amicable towards it. Um, So yeah, I think like, you know, find people who you get along with really, really well and that you trust. Um, And that's the nice thing about like the online maker community. And I don't know, maybe, (laughs) maybe it's not that easy anymore because how Instagram has changed, but I feel like, uh, 
Instagram is a, is a good place to meet other makers or, or make some surface level connections that may develop into slightly deeper things. Right. As long as you can actually still message people on Instagram, I think the community is still going to be there. Like YouTube, you used to be able to message like direct message creators. That's yeah. how Adam yeah. and I met. That's the way we met. And yeah. we used to have a group called Up and Coming Makers who were all at the time that it was we were all under a thousand. Adam's still under a thousand, but it used to be the, the whole group was under a thousand. <laughs> um, and what one of the things that we used to do, because we were all trying to get better and learn from each other, is we would critique each other's videos. So we would yeah. have a little round robin critiquing thing where you would critique someone's video and someone else would critique your video. And they'd give you tips on what they thought, you know, where, where did they lose interest? What, what could be better? What was, you know, was the lighting poor? What, like all these different things from their perspective and you would give your own perspective. And we would do that. We did that a few times and it was really helpful. I felt in the beginning, um, as long as you had someone who was willing to put in as much as you were willing to put in. And that's where I think the finding the trusted people, there's a lot of people putting their hands up to get their videos critiqued. There's a lot less people putting their hands up to critique other people's videos. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I I actually, funny you say that because Grant actually got me once and his advice still sticks to me to this day. And what it was, was on the video that he watched, I recorded my intro and outro at the same time. I recorded my intro, didn't even move, and then recorded the outro. And his main point of advice was that the intro and outro were exactly the same. And ever since then, I never do them at the same time anymore. I always, or if I do, I will change my shirt so that I look (laughs) different on camera and I'll move to a different spot. Yeah, okay, I've recorded them within 30 seconds of each other, but- it looks different, which is the main thing. Well, uh, w- when you talk about going hardcore into the YouTube with these people, what kind of things are you talking about with them? Uh, like so that- sending sending title title and thumbnail ideas, I mean, are like kind of the two main things because that's so important to a mm. video's success and future. Um, and so I, I would say like in terms of criticism, it's mostly title and thumbnails, but then it's also just sharing information and experiences about like sponsorships or like different offers that we're getting. Um, Cause it's really nice to have a point of comparison with those sort of things, have a bit of information right. advantage. But in the end, and then just, you know, we're all undergoing the same experiences, you know, we're like, we're putting a lot of effort into making high quality YouTube videos. And so there's a lot to talk about, you know, it's, it's a peer group. Well, is there anything else that, you think would be of interest to our listeners about your blowing up or your making it or your, uh, your, your current YouTube fame. I think another sort of like piece of advice I might give and this, this just, I kind of think depends on people's personalities is when I started like treating my YouTube channel and all of my making stuff as a business, I started a, like an accounting spreadsheet. And the last item at the end was running total, you know, subtract, adding up all of the 
um, income and all the outlays. And it felt really good to be making money, you know? So there was like an incentive to sometimes to keep the expenses low. And I think sometimes that stopped me from buying things that maybe I should have at the time. So I would say like, don't be afraid to spend a little bit of money if you really think it's going to make your work easier and better. I think there's this weird thing Mm. with software where people are very hesitant about paying money for software. And like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of great free software out there, but a lot of times it's worth it, like just for your workflow and to be able to work easier to get like good paid software. Um, so if you really think that that's going to like a paid editing software and not using a, a free app or whatever. So, so what you, you use a paid one. I use the same one. Yeah. Right. Vegas movie studio. Um, cause I tried using a free one and I was like, this is complete and utter garbage. And the, what I'd used before that was like premiere that I had like gotten through yeah, saying R. You know what you mean? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that was like from you know 2000 so it was like super old and outdated um so is there anything else that you've bought uh, software wise other than that fusion 360 um but that i mean that's so specific to my own work you um, bought fusion 360 yeah well i mean why, the, is, the license yeah why though because out of curiosity it because I'm using it for commercial purposes. What what so what in your aspect makes it commercial? Because I'm going into essentially the same thing you're doing, and now you got me worried. I don't think you need to be worried. I don't think Autodesk cares what you're doing. Um, <laughs> but you know, it like it came time to renew my license, and I was like, okay, like it would be nice to have the full feature set. I can afford it and it's technically what I'm supposed to be doing anyway. So let's just get it. And you know, it, it's a, it's a tax of you tax right off as an expense. So it's, it's kind of, yeah. I, yeah okay. Fair enough. Yeah. If you're, if you're um, not really making any appreciable amount of money with it, I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah. Right. Your, your YouTube yeah. is a hobby. Morley's YouTube is a job. Yeah. I, I understand that. My, my concern is that, um, in this new series that I'm doing, I have opened a Patreon, which I'm going to be sharing all the STL files from. And does that then make it where I should be paying for Fusion? I'm not sure. No. Right. But we can talk okay. about it more in the after show. If <laughs> yeah. You want. Well, uh, okay. Anyway, um, so we talked about how blowing up has changed the way that you make videos or the way you think about making videos. Do you think that it has changed what sort of projects you want to make because you want to make stuff that people want to see or do you still want to make whatever you want? I mean, I still want to make whatever I want. Um, <laughs> but it's it, those things that I want to make are now more videos than physical things. Like, you know, human beings respond to incentives. It feels great to put out a video that people will really watch and so that means that I want to make a video that a lot of people will watch. There are physical things in my life that I could make, um, but I really enjoy making stuff. However, I'm not super attached to like any one particular project. I don't like have a thing that I want to make where it's like, I need to make that. There are things that I could make, but then there's also like a hundred other things that I could make. And so I might as well choose the things that would make 
good videos and maybe just buy the other thing rather than spend 12, 20 hours making it. So would you make another leather belt? No, not for a video. I mean, maybe if I had like a spare afternoon and I really wanted to make a leather belt, um, but not for a a video. And like, again, like I'm at this point now where like my time is like pretty full up with when I'm making stuff, it's making stuff for videos. I don't really have that spare time where I want to be making things, which is a problem because I need like, like shop infrastructure and things like that. And just like, you know, there are little things from time to time that it's more convenient to just make quickly. Um, and I still do those things from time to time, but there's always like, you know, uh, a barrier to doing it. So, yeah. Well, that's why, that's why I asked. Cause it's like things like that, where it's like, I, if I were to make another leather notebook cover, I won't make, I will never ever in my, I don't know why I didn't look at your leather notebook covers and go, there's like 500 less views on all of those compared to every video around them. <laughs> I should have recognized <laughs> that they don't, they like you went a huge leather binge and you still didn't get any, like it's like, anyways, I shouldn't have made a video about it. Mine is the worst performing video I've ever made. It's a leather notebook cover. And it's because every, everyone and their mother has made a leather notebook cover and half those people made a video about it. <laughs> No, I mean, some of those videos did at the time pretty well for me. And it also, again, like kind of led me to where I am now. Actually, the one of making Eden's notebook cover is still like one of the best performing videos on my channel. And it's also like, you know why? Why? Because it's about the story, not about the notebook cover. But people don't necessarily know that going into the video. I think it's just called like making a hand tooled leather notebook cover. I don't know. I remember that one as being one of your earlier ones where I feel like it is definitely one that your current channel, your current vibe, it has a lot more to do with that one than some of your other videos in between. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That was a a very important video in my development. Um, I'm just trying to think of, of other, you know, lessons learned or things like that. So, I mean, in terms of the spending money things, that's not just software. I'm also thinking like a camera or, or a camera that makes your work easier or a better tripod, which I still need to get. I don't know if I'm going to have time tomorrow, but there's a great camera store in Toronto that I've been meaning to get to for like the last week to get a new tripod. Um, but I'm not sure if I'm going to have a chance to get there before leaving. Yeah. I'm just looking at the Completo notebook cover is your lowest performing video. Yeah. 293 views. Yeah. And I can't argue with that. That is a fact. (laughs) Anyways, I don't know why it's crazy to think about how some of them do so much better than others. But anyways, all that to say, thank you Morley for, for coming here. We really appreciated you. I think we need to let you go and bring back the other uh, Morley so that we can go into into thanking our patrons. Is that okay? Do you here, want to hear part of that? One second. Here, one second. You ready? Okay. <gasps> oh my god, guys! It was so wet and dark in there. What was what was <laughs> going on? <God. laughs> so I want to thank our Patreon supporters, uh, the, especially the F clamp level ones who just had to listen to Morley transform and 
ugh, in a weird way. Uh, Brent Jarvis from Clean Cut Woodworking, Vincent Ferrari from Handmade by Vincent Ferrari, and he's going to be restarting with a whole different podcast. So stay tuned. If you unsubscribe from Because We Make, you should resubscribe to them. Um, Austin from the High Caliber Craftsman, Scott Oram from Dad It Yourself, and Joe Herdina. Thank you very much to all of you guys, plus everyone else who supports us. We can't do this show without you. Uh, if you want to become a supporter of the show, you can go to patreon.com slash clamp. There you can get access to the pre-show and after show, which are a separate RSS feed that you can download onto your phone so it automatically downloads. You don't have to do anything. Um, you can get a handmade leather excuse me, handmade leather keychain by the the one and only Morley Kurt, the f- most famous silver play button Morley Kurt <laughs> is still making those so, leather keychains. Here, while you're finishing, I'll open it on camera. This will be some YouTube oh my gosh. extra. This is the reason to watch YouTube. If, if you want to, if we have a YouTube video for those who don't know. And in the YouTube videos, you can go to youtube.com slash clampcast and you can find... Uh, the videos there every week we have all of our videos on YouTube and you can go to that one today. Morley will be opening the leather or no, not the leather keychain. He's opening up the silver play button. <laughs> all right, Adam, this is the timestamp for the thumbnail. You ready? Note it down. This is, this is going to be my thumbnail. Here we go. I, this is literally the first time I've opened this. Oh, there's a little letter. I think there's something else. It says, congratulations, Marley Court. Ooh, wow, this is really nice. Okay, here it is. Ooh, shiny. Take that yeah, plastic off for the thumbnail. All right, one second. Ooh, here we that go. Is shiny. It's a mirror. Ooh. It is a mirror. Maybe it's like to look at yourself in the mirror. Let's let's get the right angle. All right, so I currently have a new YouTube crush, and his name is Zach Friedman. Uh, he primarily does 3D prints with technology, and um, all these videos are pretty much like a, a story. Uh, he's really geeky and uh, funny. I suppose is a good word to use. I don't know. I wanted to say something better than that, but he kind of reminds me of if Morley was a nerd pretty much. And he always, every single video and even his YouTube thumbnail is a picture of him wearing glasses that has like this big thing on one side and no lens on the other side. And I never knew what it was. I always wondered why he had it on. And he's so good at talking that I thought, and like, you can't see the cuts. So this thing he's wearing is a teleprompter. Oh. Which is like really sick. Yeah. It's really cool. He's got a video on it and he created a um a 3D print storage system, which I'm going to be using in one of my future videos as well, called the Gridfinity. And essentially it's like a big grid that you put down and then all of the things like sit on there where like they won't fall over and get knocked over and, and all that sort of stuff. But then he's got like files so that you can um sort of take the base and make your own top to it, which is pretty cool, which is what I'm going to be doing. Um, and yeah, it's all, all free and, and all that sort of stuff. So definitely go check out Zach because his, uh, his videos are amazing. You watch one video, you'll be hooked. I swear the way he talks to the camera is amazing. Yeah. Uh, Andy Pugh has also recommended him 
to me before. Mm. Very cool. Yeah. He has your hair uh, and your beard, actually. <laughs> I am going to recommend uh, a music channel. So I've been doing a ton of tedious work the last few days in staining and finishing the Torah lectern and packing. And it's the type of work that like, I need to be listening something to motivate me to get through it. Um, and so actually, so this is, I guess, like a soft clamp mendation first. So I started listening to Armchair Experts, which is like a huge podcast, which is fun, like little tidbits about uh, things. The The mini series I'm listening to right now under its umbrella is the um, Flightless Bird, which is uh, David Ferrier, who's from New Zealand. He's like discovering different parts of American culture and making many documentaries about it. That's not my clamendation. My clamendation is the boiler room YouTube channel. So this is a YouTube channel that has recordings of live DJ sets. So I started watching it because if you remember last week, David and I were talking about Kenny beats. So Kenny beats is a hip hop producer and he did a boiler room set. And his set is like a lot of, hip hop songs mashed up together, which I was super enjoying. And I listened to both of them like multiple times as I was doing all this finishing. And then I was like, well, you know, I love live music. Let me get a little deeper into this YouTube channel. And this channel is mostly like house and techno music. And, you know, like I enjoy house music, you know, like I put some in my videos, but I wouldn't say that like I listen to it very often, but I started listening to it as I was finishing the Torah lectern and I've gotten like really into it. It is such good, just background music to doing a super long task. Cause some of these sets are like two hours long and you get the little bit of crowd noise in the background. Like the audio is really well mixed. So the audio is straight from the decks that the DJs have, but then they, they mix in a little bit of the ambient crowd noise as well. Um, and it's, it's really good. I mean, all of their videos have millions of views. I think they're also great just for like playing at parties. You could put any of their videos on in a party and it would be great, you know, background music, but for like long, tedious tasks, I find that their sets are awesome. Yeah. So if you got a lot of sanding or finishing or packing to do, check out the boiler room YouTube channel and just put on one of their videos. Cool. Well, I'm going to recommend that everyone watch three videos because that's how many videos it takes to see all the table. So the making it crew, uh, Jimmy Ressa, Bob and Bob Cleggett and uh, David Pichuto all made a portion of a table or a piece of the pie. Um, and they all made videos of it. It's their first little collaboration and it's uh really cool to see how the three different things come together. I really feel like David's uh, table like pulled the other two together. Like Mm. by having the making it logo on there, it really felt like, Oh, we're actually, there's a reason they're separate. And this is why, Um, I don't know. Anyways, they, uh, it's a really cool three part. I have three parts of a table thing and you can see the fun of the three different styles of videos that they make i watched uh jimmy and david's i haven't watched bob's yet and uh, i think david captured a feeling of frustration very very well he (laughs) made his mistake yeah i've only watched jimmy so far 
I I, I would it, um, be so hesitant to put what he did into a video. I probably wouldn't do it because I would fear that like Well, spoiler alert, he gets so mad at it and he hits it with a hammer. And that's like a burst of anger. And that later, if I ever had like a little burst of anger at a work meeting or something, and they'd be like, well, in his YouTube video, he hit stuff with a hammer. Well, we should be calling security because he <laughs> might hit me with a hammer. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I would, I've like thought this through too far. I've had similar thoughts. Like the first time I put a bleeped out swear in one of my videos, I was like, ooh, is this, you know, is this the persona I want to be putting out online? And I was like, you know what? This is fine. Like I am who I am. People swear and I'm bleeping it out. You know, it's totally fine. See, I would have no problem swearing. It's funny because Zach swears quite a bit in his videos, but like it's all bleeped out. And that it's clearly in his script that he's written to swear but i've always thought like why like why put it in there if you're gonna bleep it out anyway but it, it actually adds like a lot to oh for sure what he's saying even though it's bleeped yeah. out you can just you can emphasize that what he's trying to say yeah well everyone go watch those three videos they'll be linked in the show notes or the shouts um i want to go into Adam's slang of the week. We don't have any reviews. If you want Morley to read a review in the accent of your choice, you have to write a review and then we'll read it. But if you want Adam's slang of the week instead, what you got to do is you got to send Adam on Instagram directly to him, not through the clamp cast directly to Adam on maker Mackey, um, a slang that's regional to where you're from or some interesting slang you've picked up throughout your travels and now mm. adam sling of the week so i talked about this last week because i was a bit worried that it might be offensive i've been promised that it's not so we're going to use it but nick from nhp 1967 on instagram has sent me a word from england called and the word is chav i knew chav? what this word was before he told me but yeah, Chav. C-H-A-V. I'm going to say an attractive young woman. Can you use it in a sentence? Uh, I'm surrounded by Chavs in my town. <laughs> okay, now I'm thinking it might be mean more like idiots. Well, that's what he said in a sentence, so... Okay. I got, I'm going to have to go with, uh, like idiot or fool sounds, but what is it? I mean, you're both kind of right, depending on how you want to view these kind of people. Um, so the, what he sent me is a young person in Britain of a type stereotypical known for engaging in aggressively loutish behavior, especially when in groups, and for wearing flashy jewelry and athletic casual clothing, such as track suits and baseball caps. So essentially, we call them here lads. Oh, okay. Got it. They, they walk around saying eshe and stuff like that. Um, they like also generally that. have... Again, I didn't write this. They, they also generally have bad teeth. 
<laughs> well, they're from England, so they generally yeah, have bad teeth there. Um, and generally, I want to th- thank a, a person from across the pond, TF Turning, for the theme song. And I want to thank our guest, our guest, Morley Kurt, for coming on the podcast. Um, I appreciate that you stoop to such low levels like our podcast. It's uh, We understand we're taking a lot out of your time. Uh, My pleasure, fans. Uh, (laughs) Until next time, everyone. Cheers and have a great day. Bye. Bye. I love you.